the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to speak on the radio. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. People say I've got a big mouth, and it's true, and I do. And I thank the Lord that we're talking about the things of God nowadays instead of the things that we used to talk about. Old things have passed away. All things have truly become new in our lives, and we're privileged to share the newness of those things with you. We're talking about the book of Revelation. We're talking about the church at Smyrna. And Smyrna is a very special church, very special instant. And it's so applicable for the church in America today. But let me pray. This is important because this message is really, it's deep and profound. And yet it's so simple. And it's in its entirety about what the Lord is trying to say. And he's trying to say it to us today too. So Father God, I pray for those listening, Lord God, that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that they would behold wondrous things out of your word, Father. I pray that you keep them from distractions, Father God, that they have hungry hearts and you'll reveal yourself to them in the teaching of this word, Father God, and they would come to know you better. So, Lord, I thank you for protecting them. I thank you for ministering to them. Lord God, when they sleep tonight, when their minds are shut down, when their bodies are at rest, I pray that you would visit them, Father God. You would woo them with your presence. You would wonder them with your word. You would wow them with your great love for them. Give them a revelation of who you are that's based on what we're talking about today, Father God. And I thank you for each and every one. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We call them born-again, spirit-filled saints of God, living right, doing right for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. That's you guys. Hallelujah. But I want to pick up on Smyrna. This is the second of the seven churches. And one of the things you really got to understand, the key to me is to understand how Jesus reveals himself to each church. And then you'll get a sense of what's going on in the message. Because as he goes through the churches and he reveals their needs, if you go back to the way he reveals himself at the beginning of the letter, you'll see that, wow, he reveals himself as meeting that need in the way he shows us who he is. Don't forget, when we get to the book of Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, I think it's verse 8, 9, 10, and 11, he says, starting off, that I am he that liveth and was dead. He reveals himself as the resurrection. And now we're going to get into verse 10, and we're going to look at why that's so important. Verse 10 in Revelation chapter 2. Fear none of those things, he says to the church at Smyrna, which you shall suffer. Behold, another word for behold is wow. Every time you see behold in the Bible, just wow. It's just a form of emotional excitement about what's happening. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. 
I mean, just picture this. Jesus shows up at your church Sunday morning, right? And he's going to give you a message. He travels down from perhaps Pergamos, or he comes up from the church over at Ephesus, and he pops into Smyrna on a Sunday morning, and he goes, here I go. First, he tells them, I am the resurrection. Hallelujah. Then he tells them, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. He didn't say, you may suffer. He said, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Now, if you preach that on a Sunday morning in a church in Houston, Texas, you're going to empty out the pew. If you come up there and you tell people that you're about to suffer something, we don't want to hear that. That doesn't play well. That goes against every uh, Jesus loves you sermon that we've been talking about. That goes against, well, I got faith, man. I can fix that. That goes against all that stuff that we've been learning for the past few decades. But you need to focus in on the Word of God. This just isn't the Word of God. This is Jesus up close and personal talking to his church. Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. You got to understand in the way this is written, in the context, fear none of those things. They had been fearing certain things, Jesus is saying. And what it is, this is actually a command. And I'm going to get loud for a minute. But basically what he says is fear none of these things. It's a command. It's a shout. He wants you to get this. Fear none of these things. Government told us in Houston that we had to shut down our churches and we shut down our churches. There was great fear there based on what the government might do to us. And yet, Let's read on about the church at Smyrna here. Jesus, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Not maybe, not could be, not perhaps. You are going to suffer these things. Don't let them scare you. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, wow, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Who's going to cast them into prison? Who shut down the churches in America? Was it the government? Was it the mayor? Was it the governor? No, it was the devil. Just like the church at Smyrna, the devil is going to cast some of them into prison. Let me explain to you about going to prison in the days of Smyrna under the rule of Domitian, the Caesar Roman emperor. When you went into prison, more often than not, it was a death sentence. They put you in there. You had no money. You had no job. Remember, the guilds ruled the trade industry there. And if you did not worship the gods of the individual guilds, if you did not pay homage to them, if you did not engage in their monthly meetings where they had sexual orgies, eating meat sacrificed unto idols, blasphemy the name of Jesus, and pledging allegiance to the god of that guild, if you did not do all that stuff, you had no job. So you were broke. You were busted. You were disgusted. You were an outcast. Fear none of those things that you're going to suffer. This is going to happen to you. The devil will cast some of you into prison, and then you're going to be tried. And more often than not, the try was just you went before the governor of the region, and all you did, you know, maybe it was the pro-council. And basically, if you were sent in there because you had no money, you couldn't pay your bills, and they asked you why, and you told them, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I can't attend the meetings. You know, it would be very simply off with your head. That was the trial. And here he's saying that you're going to go into prison, you're going to be tried, and you're going to have tribulation 10 days. Now, a lot of people, there's great discussion about the tribulation 10 days. Cutting to the chase, basically, I think it means you're just going to have tribulation for a short period of time. It's not going to be eternal. It's not going to go on and on and on and on. It's going to be a quick work of tribulation. And yet other people think that it means it references the 10 Roman emperors during the 300-year reign up until uh, Constantine came across and made Christianity the religion of the land, kind of. But you'll see this went right up from the writing of the book of Revelation, A.D. 94, 95, 
right up until maybe 310 A.D. when Constantine came on the scene. And yet they were saying that you're going to suffer tribulation. You're going to be tried. You're going to be thrown in jail. You're going to be tried. You're going to suffer tribulation for 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death. Now you got to understand why Jesus reveals himself as the, as the resurrection. Why, Ron? I don't get it. Because he's showing up to church on Sunday morning. He says, look, he's not promising them the latest gift from the prosperity gospel. He's not promoting hyper grace where you don't have to repent anymore. He's not telling them some nice, emotionally driven, new age message that God loves them. God wants them to have the best. God's got your picture on his refrigerator. That's not what he's doing. He's giving him the truth of the matter that you're about to go to jail. You're about to be tried and there's a good chance you're going to be dead. And yet he revealed himself in the first verse in Revelation 8, chapter 2, as the resurrection. If these people needed to know anything, they needed to know the God of Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides? No. They needed to know Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness? No, that wasn't going to help them. How about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace? No, 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 no. They needed to know Jesus Christ, the resurrection, because they were going to die. Jesus shows up at your church Sunday morning and he just says, hey man, you're going to be chucked into prison. You're gone. Or, hey, you're going to have to go before the courts. I mean, your seat's empty. Worse yet, he goes, you're going to be dead. They're going to kill you. The persecution that's coming, the tribulation that's coming will cost you your life. I mean, you can't say that in church today. We're trying to build our brand. We're trying to build popularity. We don't care about the presence of Jesus Christ. We are only concerned about putting butts in seats. And that's wrong. And that's why we close so easily when the slightest hint of tribulation came our way in Houston, Texas, back in March and April and May of 2020 because of COVID. 80% of the churches are still closed. Look at that compared to what's coming down the pike here for the saints at, where am I, Smyrna. Okay, but now you know, look at God, look at Jesus. It's his church, the pillar and the ground of truth. This is the church of Jesus Christ. You don't think it breaks his heart that these people are going to die? You don't think it bruises him and it crushes him to know that his children are going to be killed by the enemy? Well, it does. So he shows up in all his glory as the resurrection. He goes, guys, I got this. And let me read it the way it's written, because the way it's written was really good. Remember, Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Basically, he said, I am he that was alive. I became dead temporarily, and then I became alive again. That's how he revealed himself to them, because that's what's going to happen to them. You are alive, but you will become dead temporarily. But because I am the resurrection and you have resurrection life inside you also, you will become alive again. And it's so important that they got that revelation. Jesus had to come and tell them himself. He didn't send Paul. He didn't send John. He didn't send Timothy. He told them himself, I am putting this in the book. I'm going to write this down for eternity. That when you suffer persecution for the cause of me, for the cause of Christ, for the gospel's sake, and when you get thrown into jail, and when you get tried, when they take your money, and when they take your life, you have got to know that the God you serve is the resurrected God. I've got your life in my hands. Because I live, you can live also. That's the message he's got for the church at Smyrna. Hey, by the way, that's the message he's got for you in your church today. Fear none of these things. Fear, the word is phobos, and it means fright. It means to be afraid. 
None is M-E-D-E-N. You mean don't fear anything, not even a little, not even a speck, not any. Have no fear. When you put these two words together, you get a strong command. Halt. Stop fearing is what the Lord is saying them. And he, he knows what fear does. Fear has torment. They were not only being threatened with their lives. They were also being tormented by the fear that goes with the loss of life. You have got to get a revelation of who Jesus Christ is in your life. And there's no greater picture that you can get except from reading the book of Revelation and the seven letters to the seven churches. Stop fearing and stop it right now, saith the Lord. The church is in Houston closed because of fear. There are even some pastors that are going around saying, well, you know, we didn't close. You know, I'm sorry. You know, no more disingenuous in the pulpit, please. We've got to tell the people the truth. Hey, if we close, own up to it. Hey, we closed, but we're open now. Praise the Lord. That's the good news. Don't get stuck. Don't try to trick us. I don't need any spin on what happened. Church, it's the place where truth is dominant. It's the place where truth sharpens us. You know, we go to church. We're taught by the truth for the truth, and we are sharpened in the truth. That's why Christians don't know the difference between getting a vaccine and not getting a vaccine. That's why the Christians vote Democrat. They don't know the difference between supporting a candidate that's pro-life and supporting a candidate that wants to murder the children. That's why Christians are willing to accept homosexuality as a normal lifestyle, because we have not been sharpened by the truth, because truth is not promoted in the pulpits. Well, Jesus is giving the church at Smyrna truth right smack between the eyes. Fear none of these things. Stop it. Stop it right now. It's a strong command from Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Get this, guys. Get this. Suffering is part of the Christ life. Suffering is part of the Christian walk. We cannot avoid them. It's like blessings. We claim the blessings. We love the blessings. We focus on the blessings. And yet, what about the suffering? You never hear a sermon on sufferings. Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of you guys got up and prayed that prayer today? Lord God, I'd like to partake in your sufferings because I want to know you better. Not many. Not many, because we don't talk about sufferings. We don't talk about judgment. We don't talk about God's truths to make us challenge. We don't talk about, you know, the gospel is confrontational. Yet we've removed all the confrontation from the gospel. Well, how did we do that? Because when we refuse to talk about sin, we remove the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, and we're not winning the loss. The very first step in coming to know Christ is repentance. Even before that, though, you've got to be convicted of your sin. It's not my job. I don't convict you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit confirming God's word that he is true and you're in trouble. That's conviction and that works. Salvation, godly sorrow with worketh salvation, Mm, not to be repented of. Understand something. If you're a true Christian, just like the blessings of God overtake you, suffering is going to find you also. And you can't avoid the suffering. Just, Just get this through your brain. Suffering is not God's punishment. Say that to yourself. Suffering isn't punishment. 2 Corinthians 1, 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our consolation in Christ abounds. The Amplified, let me clear it up. For just as Christ's sufferings are ours in abundance as they overflow to his followers. Okay, he's not talking about prosperity. He's not talking about grace. He's talking about sufferings. Read your Bible. For just as Christ's sufferings are ours in abundance As they overflow to his followers, so also our comfort, our reassurance, our encouragement, our consolation is abundant through Christ. It is truly more than enough to endure what we must. 
Endure. We've got to endure this stuff. That means we've got to work for Christ to the point of exhaustion. Philippians one twenty nine. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. You don't get the stuff in your church on Sunday morning. You don't go home feeling good. I disagree. I consider it an honor to suffer for Christ's sake. You know, I just put a post on Facebook. Nobody liked it. You know, and then I put a nice easier one in. Here come the likes. Here come the loves. You know, it's a hard thing to hear the hard truth when your spirit has been taught carnal things by the church pulpit that preaches compromise, carnality, and cowardice. You have got to get in the word of God above all else. Behold, simply stated, behold means wow. It's an emotional word, a word of powerful astonishment. Behold, the devil is going to throw some of you into prison. God is not doing this. Man is not doing this. The definite article here, the devil, not a devil, not devil, the devil. It's a definite article. It's specific. The devil defines this person who is uh, casting Christians into the prison. The devil, Satan himself. This is the persecution that was coming to the saints at Smyrna. Yet even though it's Satan who's casting them into prison, this tribulation is going to be measured. It's going to be controlled by God. Cast in the Greek is balo, and it means to throw or to violently hurl. They just didn't walk you down in light handcuffs and sat you on a bench. They picked you up and they threw you on the concrete floor. Maybe there was hay there. There was a bathroom there. It was cold. It was a cave. It was dark. It was dank. They threw you into prison. They hurled you with violent temper into prison. In that day, understand something. Being thrown into prison wasn't for the purpose of rehabilitation. It wasn't even to punish someone. Basically, it was the equivalent of a death sentence. If you went in, you were going to be tried, and you rarely came out alive. Going on, that you may be tried. Tried, the word here is parazzo again, and it's a calculated test designed to reveal any impurities in someone. Tried here, or better yet, tested, has a double meaning. The saints would most definitely be tested by man's law in Smyrna, but... While that was going on, they would also be tested by God. Barclay says it like this, For a man to become a Christian anywhere was to become an outlaw. And we're heading there. You should read some of the stuff. It's National Day of Prayer in our nation recently. And I subscribe to a Washington group of intercessors. And some of the stuff they told us that's going on is just totally amazing. In Smyrna, above all places, for a man to enter the Christian church was literally to take his life in his hand. In Smyrna, the church, it's where heroes went to church. It was a place for heroes. You know, you look around in your pulpits today and who's willing to stand for Christ? Who's willing to sacrifice? Who's willing to suffer? Who's willing to take the lead? We've got some local heroes now and God bless them and we pray for them. But church in Smyrna, we call it the persecuted church, but get it straight. Church in Smyrna was a place where heroes went to church. It was the heroic church. It's my favorite church of all the seven. I I just love it. Dave Gusek, he's got some interesting comments on God's testing of the Christians. That you may be tested, it's written. If this attack came from the devil, then why didn't these modern-day Christians in Smyrna just rebuke Satan and stop the attack? We're taught that, right? Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Behold, I give you my power dominion over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Thou shalt condemn every tongue that would rise up against you in judgment. This is the inheritance of the saints of God, and your righteousness is his. So we've got authority. And yet, why didn't these saints stop the devils from throwing them into prison and killing them? It's a great question by uh, Dave Gusek. 
because God has a purpose in their suffering. And so he allowed it. You got to understand that. You got to know God, not the God of your religion. You got to know the God of the Bible. He's a blesser. He's a curser. He judges and he praises. He cleanses and he heals, but he'll destroy because he hates sin and he hates disobedience. God uses suffering to purify us, to make us more like Jesus, and to make us truly witnesses of him. In all ages, the blood of the martyrs has been the seed for the church. You got that? People say the church is built on the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, it is. But it's also been built upon the blood of the martyrs who stood tall and refused to bend. The saints at Smyrna had not been given a pep talk on how to win friends and influence people. No, Jesus came with a different message. They had no testimony on how faith made me mayor of Smyrna. No, they were not promised deliverance from tribulation. They were promised it. They were not promised riches. They were promised poverty and reviling. In fact, the worst was yet to come. Most specifically, in this case, God allowed this attack so that they could be tested in the sense of being proven. Through their suffering, God displayed the true riches of the church in Smyrna to everyone, including and most importantly to themselves. Even though he knew that they were rich already, the Christians in Smyrna would be tested, but they passed the test. This church, compared to the other six, has got no evil spoken against it by God, by Christ. Only this church among the seven survives today to everyone, including themselves. The Christians in Smyrna would be tested. There's no evil spoken against it. Only this church is one of the one that still survives out of the seven. And it survived through centuries of Roman and Muslim persecution. That you may be tested, God is also interested in testing us, in testing you, in testing me. We have got to get a revelation of that. You're being tested. You're here on this earth being tried right now. Why? Well, A, God wants you to judge angels. B, God wants you to rule and reign with him during the millennial reign. It's very important that you understand your purpose, not just today, but if you read the Bible, you understand that God's got a plan for you in the future and he needs you. But you're being tested now to see if you'll be faithful in the assignments that he's got down the road. You'll have tribulation 10 days. We talked about that. This is going to be a short time. Look at this. Be thou faithful unto death. That's quite a statement. Jesus shows up at your church Sunday morning, pretty sunshine, and you're going to go out and have breakfast after this. Great. <laughs> you're going to lose your appetite. Jesus shows up and he says, hey, man, you're going to prison. You're not getting out. Plan on dying there, but I want you to be faithful. A better translation would be like this. Becoming faithful unto death. Like overcoming, overcome, you don't overcome once and then that's it. You live a lifestyle of overcoming, constantly overcoming. And like faithful, you are becoming faithful. You are working faithfulness in your life as a witness to who God is. You get to practice faithfulness. Be thou in the Greek, it's genomide, and it means to become or in the process of becoming something. Jesus did not expect us to wake up one Sunday morning and be proficient in dying faith. It's a process. One wakes up on Monday. We prove faithful Monday. We got new trials on Tuesday. We go on. Next week, we've got new trials. But we go from victory to victory. That's what he's meaning. But what's left out of that that's implied is that these victories are you overcoming trials, you overcoming suffering, you overcoming tribulation. It's a constant lifestyle. We don't talk about it in America. It's not popular. It would empty out the pews. The goal of the churches in America is not to empty pews, but to fill pews. We got it backwards. We need to go ahead, fill the pews, and then empty them as we create missionaries throughout the city and the world. Look at the reward. 
and I will give you a crown of life. Thank you, Jesus. And this is the Stefano's crown. It's the victor's crown. It goes to someone that has lived the lifestyle of overcoming. It's a wonderful promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to understand what he says. You have got to listen to me. Verse 11, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. We don't go through the second death. We die at the new birth, and we are already saved, healed, and delivered. The Bible says to be, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. That is the first death. We don't get involved with the second death, with the second resurrection. That's not for us. But we must be faithful unto death. It's a choice. Paul said, I die daily. You need to adopt that mindset, too, because you will face these challenges. Yes, even though you live in America. I'm Ron Guy. We love you. Be blessed. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday on End Time Insights. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.